0: Welcome in. This is our Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour. Uh, for those of you that are watching live, I gotta silence this real quick. The uh, for those of you that are watching live, feel free to get some questions into the uh, the chat. But the only rule for this is w- no rules really. Anything goes. There's uh, w- we're supposed to come with no prep. Usually we have Ian on, but today it's just Brett and I, and we can talk about anything. Um, whether that's, uh, macro, micro, um, really, really anything. And, uh, am I, am I forgetting anything?
1: Nope. It's just going to be us two For the time being, um, we're looking for, Ian, a third. Has, to, <laughs> Ian has to retire or we're, we're fielding some prospects right now. No, we haven't really done anything in that regard, but yeah, hopefully, you know, we get some more people on here in the not so distant future. Anything that you've been looking at this week, that's piqued your interest
0: um i want i read through uh chewy's earnings report the other day and it seems it kind of just got me like pessimistic about the market as a whole and it was actually like a decent report but it made me think like they pretty much hit their revenue line like active customers was down quarter over quarter um so their active customers declined but their revenue was up uh, pretty strongly because of price increases. And it just kind of got me thinking about how inflation is like this self reinforcing thing where they can increase prices. Consumers have to pay more. And then I think, well, how do the consumers pay more? They get higher wage increases. And then that's a higher expense for the companies and the companies have to raise prices again in order to pay those expenses. And it just becomes this like horrible cycle. And I don't know. It just got me thinking like, how do you stop it once it gets going?
1: Uh, You got to cause a recession. It's a, it's a brutal, right? (laughs) That's the only way. Is that the,
0: the solution? You just raise rates to like, uh, you pull a Paul Volcker and just raise rates to whatever the inflation rate is.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a really difficult question. I don't think anyone knows the answer because there haven't been that many of these scenarios in modern history, so it's not like anything statistically significant. How many periods have we had like post-World War one, post-World War II, 70s? That's like three <laughs> examples there. So it's hard to get a good read, but I think the only conclusion you can draw is that it, it's hard to put back the genie in the bottle. And if there's a good way to do that, that's a trillion dollar, coin. like if there's a good way to do that, where like 100% of the time you 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 do this as a, say, fiscal policy person, tre- working at the Treasury, working at the Fed, if you do that and it works, um, then I mean that you've solved a lot of the world's problems. But I don't think anyone has a you know, foolproof answer, except for <laughs> blunt forcing a recession, which is never fun. That doesn't have all positives to it um so
0: what happens in a blunt force recession just bankruptcies essentially like a a greater amount of business failures
1: i'm not sure you're asking the wrong guy we i think that is a way out of my depth
0: i imagine unemployment goes up and i imagine a lot of companies fail because financing's too costly mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what my maybe that's first order thinking but
1: yeah and then hopefully people hope that consumer spending might go down but the thing is wages are way more sticky so it's kind of if um hmm. so i guess the whole thing is if prices don't keep inflating and maybe there's some disinflation or consumer spending's down blah 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 wages at a lot of companies are not going to revert back Someone's, if sailors some deflation or something like that which i guess has been rare but if there has if there is any deflation um, that just can be tough on margins for companies because wages are tougher to revert back or really basically impossible. Cause no one's going to say, yeah, I'm going to go back from a hundred thousand dollars to $80,000 now that CPI is down. But yeah, but either
0: way, I, I don't know. The alternative is unemployment. I think you will.
1: Well, it's really hard. Historically companies have not been able to do that. Um, but we'll see who knows,
0: who knows. Yeah. Anyway, that was just like, it's been like a reading the earnings reports has made me just bearish all week. Um I don't know. It, it feels like every company is not performing optimally.
1: Mhm. Yeah, we've talked about margins before, um margins for like the broad margins for the S&P 500 or the market indices and I've been kind of the camp that there has been a secular growth because of uh, since the start of the internet that in you know broad-based profit margins, and you've seen that in the charts, except for in the recession of 2000 and the recession of 2008. And a lot of people have said that they're going to revert back to the long-term trend of say, you know, six percent, which what it was, I think, is what it was in the 20th century. And I've been kind of the camp that. That doesn't make sense, given the different unit economics of a lot of these firms. But I think if there's a heavy inflationary environment and a recession, we uh, how am I trying to say this? We could revert back, but I still think if you look at the long-term charts in the 00809 recession margins went down in the 2000, 2001, 2002 recession. Margins went down, but then they reverted back to that long-term trend. So I'm still optimistic that this is only going to be in the short term and that the secular growth and margins will stay there just because of the, you know, you economics of a lot of basically fang and a lot of those software stocks, but it's hard to tell. It's a really, really, <laughs> it's really, really um, difficult. And I don't have any sort of conviction one way or the other.
0: Yeah. What about you? Have you have you looked at anything interesting this week?
1: Uh, I saw I was reading the OpenSea um, fraud security I don't think it's technically securities fraud but someone that worked at OpenSea I believe a product manager would buy NFTs before they were about to get launched onto the homepage and then flip them after they got bid up because when NFTs were hot you put something on OpenSea's homepage and the price is going to soar Uh, and there was conviction on that for insider trading on these nfts so i think that's a positive to uh get some of that um you know bad actors out of there but it's also funny that that's what people are going after if you kind of get what i mean that seems like a kind of small thing and isn't the whole thing that a lot of it's just really fake kind of gambling stuff anyways so what's the point but besides that. Earnings have been pretty quiet along our neck of the woods. It's software. These next, this week is kind of software week, right? The first week of that, yeah, of the, of the second month in the quarter, is always software week. And to be honest, it's pretty boring to me. But I've been reading some stuff on nuclear energy, which doesn't really pertain to investing that much. Um, that does. Mm.
0: In the end, it has. <laughs> yeah.
1: The uranium prices, I've heard people give good pitches on that. Uh, There's a good chart. Here's an interesting one, though. I'm kind of just going through my likes on Twitter, which is fake prep, I guess, for the show. And there was this chart that I don't know whether it's a chart crime or pretty um, glaring about how a lot of the NASDAQ companies can't fulfill a lot of their interest expense. So the chart is called the zombification of the NASDAQ. And it is the NASDAQ composite EBIT divided by interest expense and is the percentage of firms. And it has basically, if your EBIT interest expense is greater than 10, 5 to 10, 2 to 5, 1 to 2, 0 to 1, or less than 0. And I think it is 70% are less than 0, which at first you're like, okay, Wait, re- what...
0: Repeat, repeat the... Uh- the metrics, sorry. EBIT, what is
1: it? EBIT divided by interest expense. So how much your annual EBIT can you use to fulfill your interest expense on your debt? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, okay. Uh,
1: basically your, yeah, a good, me- one of the metrics to fulfill your debt. Um, and 70% have an EBIT to interest expense less than zero, which means they have interest expense to pay and have a negative EBIT or negative operating income. at first glance, I thought this was pretty bad. But on second thought, given the heavy SBC at a lot of these companies, I don't think the problem a lot of the time is um, paying off debt because they have the cash there. They're just paying for it through the dilution and SBC. I know that might just be companies we've looked at personally, but does that makes sense to you how this might be overstated in this chart just because ebit while you know is probably a good metric for people to use to value the profitability of these companies it's not really on the cash flow basis of any sort of liquidity concerns
0: yeah i mean if if you're looking at a giant pool of software companies you'd probably want to do like cash generation before interest expense over However much their interest is, since they use stock so much in their uh, compensation.
1: Yeah, that makes more sense to me. An operating cash flow or a free cash flow. Even if the free cash flow, is they're not going pay, to.
0: If but. they're, I mean, if they're getting cash in the door that exceeds their interest expense, that that allows them to pay it. Like the likelihood of bankruptcy is lower than the EBIT might indicate.
1: Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I agree. Like EBIT, I don't think it's the right metric for any sort of liquidity scenario, or I don't know if liquidity is the right word. um, The margin of safety of whether someone's going to go bankrupt without raising money, needing to raise money.
0: Unless you're, and we've talked about this before, unless your employees stop taking stock.
1: Yeah, or stop wanting to. Although I did see something um, that maybe we'll get to later. I yeah.
0: Oh, actually right. I have a question for you. The uh we're we're talking about Carvana tomorrow, and in Carvana's recent report, the CEO is paying out a hundred million dollars of his own stock to employees. He's like gifting it to them. What do you think of that? Because he it's it gets recorded as SBC, but it's non dilutive.
1: Yeah, that was um Well, yeah, that one's a unique scenario. Just the merits of that, I liked. There was a lot of um, governance concerns with Carvana, which I think anyone that knows Carvana is well aware of. Um, And as someone that's doing the management and ownership part of that, or I guess, but we're both probably looking at that. It was a tough to understand all that stuff. And I still don't think I get it yet, but yeah, that part specifically seemed like a nice positive um, because yeah, just gifting the shares. Uh, I kind of like that um, in general. It, even though Carvana, there's a lot of governance share type stuff that seems a little dirty or tricky. Um, but yeah, in general, yeah, and that strategy it, seems good.
0: If you've issued, I guess I haven't looked at his, I haven't looked at the proxies, so I haven't looked at his compensation package. But if he has been issued a whole bunch of shares and then he's just gifting them back to the employees, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's, dilutive sbc anyways because it's almost like you're just paying them directly but you just instead are giving it to yourself first
1: yeah i uh you may have seen my tweet so the total re- shares
0: outstanding that's yeah. up like 10x in the last yeah, yeah i was gonna weeks. i
1: was gonna do a quiz for you but but let's see what it was five years ago in in july 2017 it was at 15 million and today it is at 105 million shares outstanding. So yeah, they're financing through shares, share issuance, even though that seems nice, gifting the shares to the employees. yeah, you know, it's not a negative at all. Um, it's I crazy. I don't think you can say that this is a um, friendly to outside shareholders when it comes to dilution. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream
0: all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast.
1: Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com.
0: It is crazy that they have raised that much money through stock issuance and are still having liquidity issues.
1: Inventory dude. inventory that's tough, managing that like, inventory.
0: You were given I don't know, they were given the basically a golden hand like you got pocket aces, like there would have been no better environment for you to raise capital in oh, than the last 10 years you got the chance to do it and you're and now we're still left potentially, potentially with a bankrupt company. I don't think we've gotten far enough to know whether or not it's true, but they obviously have a lot of debt as well or an interest that they have to pay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, it's an example to me of why I don't like companies that have the need to manage a lot of inventory. I'd rather have a company that just doesn't have any inventory. So I Cash think flow's that's nice. Just, yeah. In general, that's a native to me. And it's why I think it's important, um, personally when I'm looking at a company for something that has as best as you can describe a permanent working capital advantage, um, three examples that come to mind, Amazon, the classic one, they are financing a lot of their growth through the permanent working capital advantage, um, Spotify, Airbnb, um, or some other ones. Yeah. But Netflix. I'd rather, much rather have that where, Does Netflix do it? (laughs) Sorry? Does Netflix count? I don't
0: think so.
1: Like Any subscription business
0: where you're taking it up front.
1: Yeah. And in Amazon's, it's not, wasn't, it was a mix. Well, I guess the prime was some of it too, but a lot of it was um, people would pay for a product and then uh, they wouldn't pay their merchants for 90 days or they pay them every month or something like that. So that gives them that advantage to manage growth. Yeah, but either way. All right, here's another. I'm going through my like tweets from Preferred Shares and he asks, "What is the ideal number of stocks for a concentrated portfolio that represents 100% of an investor's net worth?" What is what do you think? What's your answer there?
0: Yeah, I saw that one and I kind of thought about it for a while. 100% of your worth. I don't think you could go less than 10.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people. I would people say ninety-nine percent
0: of people should not go less than 10.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I wouldn't go less than 10. I feel and now
0: if one of those 10 is an index or an ETF, you're fine.
1: No, it, yeah, I think the rules for no index is no, no hole and cos. So yeah, you can't go less than 10. I would go, yeah, 10 to 20, kind of depending on what your style is. I think is is a good mix. And it really depends on whether you're I think a key difference is whether you're uh, always rebalancing, um, to say if you had 20, you're always rebalancing to 5% or, uh, letting some run and maybe something that's a huge winner turning into 50% of your portfolio. I think that's a key difference as well. Also, if you're restricted, if you're unrestricted from any artificial stuff, that is also a key, but I think that was part of the assumption here where if you have a, if you're younger and you have an unlimited time horizon, and no outside capital, That I think, 10 to 20. More than 20, honestly, would be unideal because too many things to manage, and you're already going, if you have 20 stocks, as long as they're not in the same industry, as long as you don't own 20 oil companies or energy companies, you're already getting the majority of the benefits of diversification, and you're actually probably gonna have not a good, like, you're gonna have a, a negative effect for, for, from having too many companies. Do you think, speaking equal on that-
0: weighted. Equal weighted.
1: Equal weighted, yeah. Uh, we got a good comment here on your, I think, complaints here from Eric. said He said, it's all good. GDP is going to accelerate to 30 to 50% a year. Uh, thank you for the joke there. Um, I think that's going to be a classic joke uh, from the ARK Invest projections there. But here's my question.
0: That is, you know what, that would solve, you know- my portfolio but here's the contingency she doesn't say whether it's real gdp growth or not
1: (laughs) she's an inflation truther yeah she's gonna if it is
0: pure inflation you know she could be right I suppose. yeah,
1: yeah she's gonna start dividing things by the fed's balance sheet um we're gonna start seeing seeing that there but here's here's my question do you think a lot of investors get into trouble or hurt themselves by owning too many companies No.
0: no well they might not get the optimal performance that they could but i would rather see like the average investor even if i'm the average investor let's say it's a better safeguard than being too concentrated like i if if you're choosing between too diversified and too concentrated i would say pick too diversified
1: well no, yeah that's not uh, the the question isn't whether someone's going to be too concentrated. The the question is, do a lot of people hurt themselves by owning too many companies? Because I see people that own 50 companies, and I kind of think that's just not, it's just too much.
0: I mean, if they're all equal weighted, I don't know, it's basically the index, right? Assuming that they're like in different industries, I say, go crazy. Who cares at that point If if you're basically the index?
1: Yeah, but that's a more fun.
0: It's more fun than the index.
1: <laughs> it is more fun, but I.
0: Because you can feel like you have a winner on any day.
1: Well, that's, <laughs> but that's not a positive. That's, that's you know what I mean? It's just nice. I don't for know. People to you own,
0: let's say you own a basket of 50 stocks and you like investing, you like the process of it. 50 good companies that are hopefully. Index components and you think could be, I mean, but honestly, that is more risky than the index because those could all fail and the index could do really well.
1: Right, right. You have to monitor those. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between equal, a huge difference between equal weighted and having some stocks being a giant portion of your portfolio, where a lot of people love to do the tracking stocks, not really my style, but a lot of people love to do a tracking stock where they just have one share. Um, or a small amount. So I think that's a big difference. If you have five stocks that are 50% of your portfolio and then 30 others, that's definitely still concentrated.
0: Yeah, all right, let's, uh, I actually liked Eric's comment. So let's go a little deeper. What did you think of the the claim?
1: Well, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, Pat, uh, right?
0: Isn't it? I mean, there's no- You just, you don't believe in innovation.
1: Let me, let, let me run some compound. Let me just get the compound interest calculator going out here on the old Google. Let's, let's get some, let's put some numbers to back this up. All right. So let's see, let's go to the low end 30%. Right. Oh uh, no, that's a bad calculator. Okay. Nerd wallet. Help me out here. All right. Perfect. Let's say initial deposit. We're basically pretending this is GDP is a, um, it's just an investment account. So, say, well, well, let's just pretend it's 20 trillion. I think it's like 100 trillion, but let's just do 20. No annual contributions. And we're going to compound annually, right? Investment time horizon, 10 years. So, basically, we're going to say, what are,
0: uh, we're going to say, what GDP, for-
1: what GDP will grow over 10 years? Oh, come on, load, nerd wallet. Don't do this to me.
0: Dude, it's like so, like, life can only get so much better. <laughs>
1: like oh, there we go. Okay, 10 years and then estimated rate of return 30%. I think that would be a compound annually. Future balance if we started out with fifty.
0: Thugs. keep in mind, so let's
1: take the median or the middle. I'm doing I'm doing do you want to, I'm doing 30% or do, do you 40. want to do 40? Forty. Okay, that's their that's the base case. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got, okay, we're saying we're saying world GDP is hundred trillion, right? And then we're going to do ten years later, growing at GDP at forty percent. It would be one thousand three hundred seventy nine trillion dollars. World GDP. So divide that by world population, which is what seven point seven billion.
0: Yeah, it might be. I mean,
1: people just—we don't even need to do the math there. People, everyone would be absurdly wealthy in real terms,
0: but it's relative. Like wealth is relative. Like if the population's the same, our our lives didn't get. It'll always be if you're a trillionaire, and everyone else around you is a quadrillionaire. No one cares that you're a trillionaire. Well, well no, it doesn't. It's, it's, your purchasing yeah, well, power hasn't actually changed. I assume.
1: No. Well, I think you're like, just doing comparatives. You're doing. You're saying that in your scenario, you're saying inflation is running rampant because if there's real GDP growth, that means that everyone is, is absurdly wealthy I, and basically living the life of uh, well, someone I, that yeah, everyone's worth like uh, what a hundred millionaire, a cent a millionaire is living today. I know, but.
0: I don't think there's that much room for like improvement of life.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) how much better can it get on that? Well, on a long enough time horizon. Like our resources
0: are finite.
1: Yeah. On a long enough time horizon. Sure. But yeah, it's not going to be 40% a year. Um, I think,
0: I think Bill Brewster talked about it. The greatest GDP growth in a single year for the U.S. was 1942. And what was it? bombs and tanks.
1: I know, I know, I know. What was, the, what was 19,
0: the number? 19%, I think, was the number. 19? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, that's that was, yeah. And that I was know. a year where it was. If, that's,
0: if, if that means, if that's how we're getting 30% GDP growth, then. Uh...
1: Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked. Thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Well, once we colonize Mars and Something find tells Mars, me it's not sustainable. <laughs> once we find aliens on Mars, we're going to need to finance that war. Right? Well, it's,
0: <laughs> it's probably factored into their, their, uh, their bull case.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, people are bare case. <laughs> I think yeah. Anyone just looking that doesn't you know follow I guess the finance econ- economics world and they see forty percent. They don't. they might not think that that's crazy compared to say five percent. A five percent prediction, but forty percent over ten years is. If that happens, I will give all. How about this? Let's make a bet. If that happens. In 2032, I will give all my money to Kathy Wood. How about that? If that,
0: if something tells me she won't be managing money by that point.
1: Hey, don't count her out. Hey, there's a lot of haters on it right now. All right. Next, here's another topic call option um, trading among retail investors has fallen to the lowest levels since December 2019. So basically, reversing all the surge in activity since the pandemic began. That's probably a good thing, right? For people um just not trying to lose money
0: yeah i think the casino's beginning to run out of uh entrance Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the uh i've never i i mean you we could even tell during the frenzy that call option activity was ridiculous it was like the shoeshine boy indicator with all my friends that have never been involved. Like I hear call options are the best way to go. It's like, (laughs)
1: dear God. Who are they hearing this from? I think it's gotta be the YouTube ads, right? Or the TikTok ads. I mean, who, who, how are people learning about this? Okay. Do you think
0: the people that let's take YouTube, for example, I've got a feeling like 30% of their ad revenue was from crypto related ads
1: oh no that's just maybe that was just
0: hyper targeting for me but it seemed like every single video was a coinbase ad
1: well i would say it's definitely not 30 percent. maybe we subtract a zero there and it's still a non-significant non-insignificant number
0: i don't know don't you think there should be they should be held accountable youtube if you were letting like let's say I don't know if Luna ever did this, but let's say Luna was being advertised on YouTube. Do you think they ought to be held accountable? YouTube?
1: YouTube? Uh, probably not.
0: But. I guess they're just a uh, digital real estate.
1: Yeah. Digital billboards. Uh, <laughs> the shareholder, I'd say vote no. All right. Well, uh, here's another one. Netflix is going to stop greenlighting expensive vanity projects and start focusing on quality for their movies. What do you think of this move? I know everyone has everyone out there has a take on Netflix, but
0: um, yeah, I don't know. That seems like should have been the game plan from the start. Yeah.
1: That's,
0: that's like an obvious hindsight thing, but I watched the Irishman. Well, I think you and I, I may have watched it together actually, but the, uh, no, or we watched so. The Departed or something.
1: No, we watched Extraction, which is solid. That was all like four right. years ago.
0: Anyway, the, uh, I had watched Departed, and I got all excited for The Irishman. I think I think that was the two movies. And I was like, well, oh, The Departed is... It uh, was terrible.
1: The, I mean, The Departed is not a Netflix movie, but yeah. No, those. I know.
0: I'm, I'm aware. Okay. But, the, uh, but it got me excited for the type of movie that The Irishman would be.
1: Right. Same director. Yeah.
0: And yeah, it was
1: trash. Yeah, it wasn't very good, which is disappointing. I do feel like they've just
0: gone after whether it's, I mean, the Adam project was okay, like, okay. But they went after Ryan Reynolds. They've gone after Chris Hemsworth a lot for a lot of different movies, all these stacked casts with just no, it's like they pick the cast and then they're like, all right, let's write a plot. Like let's write a movie with these guys.
1: Hey, they had a good one. They had a good one about... Um, What's the best
0: Netflix original movie?
1: The best one? Oh, gosh. I forget the name, but... Netflix... German movie. World War II movie. What's it called? What's it called? Mm. Uh, Munich Edge of War. That was I actually really, that really one.
0: good. It's the that one was, where they have to, like...
1: The guy almost kills Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. That one okay, was really I watched, good. I
0: watched that one on the plan. That was pretty good.
1: Yeah. So I think they're getting better, but yeah, they, I don't know why this wasn't the strategy from the start. And I kind of think they're opening up an opportunity for HBO to, you know, this is kind of their territory quality over quantity.
0: Have you watched Obi-Wan?
1: No, don't subscribe to Disney plus yet. Um, it's okay. Have you, is it good?
0: I mean, I think it's only, I believe it was only the start. It was like a two two episodes that they released. Um it was it was okay. All Disney's right. kind of pissing me off.
1: Yeah. They're they're ruining the
0: on all of the Marvel movies um since endgame. And yeah. I don't know. Not to get too like <laughs> political but it seems very woke like they've really adopted that mantra
1: oh yeah well
0: ah, that's not even a that's just a I don't know if that's like a better like if I were a shareholder is that the better way to go really like there's a bigger that. audience for that actually like an honest ah, question
1: I haven't I found have that to- when watching stuff but maybe some people don't like it I just think they should focus on making it good um It is.
0: I mean, it's like watching the Obi Wan. The it's weird to me that you could be almost forty years. Is it forty years since the like the original Star Wars movies came out?
1: Fifty, I think, probably fifty now. Almost making
0: almost lower quality movies.
1: Yeah, they're not not only the
0: acting, but like I mean, yeah, the graphics are obviously a little better, but well, the stories are uh, so much better. This movie was so much better back then. Yeah,
1: yeah. The stories just—the stories have been poor, in my opinion. Um, interesting though, uh, the video games have gotten a lot of praise, though. That the star, a lot of the Star Wars video games. So maybe that's the way that they tell the best stories now. I
0: was about to say that. I do think.
1: Let's buy our portfolio, though. <laughs>
0: Judging by my experience, and I know this isn't an EA game, but Lego Star Wars, incredible. I mean, yeah, I heard that. Guy that's my reviews. favorite, probably interaction with Star Wars content.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I, read it, yeah. I was like twelve, but yeah, that was a while ago. I mean, those Battlefront games were always good, and then now the base, the story-based ones, um, the Jedi. Uh, what's they made a new Jedi for that game that came out in 2019 from respawn and they got super great reviews and now they're coming out with a new one in 2023. That seems there's just people love that story and it seems like that's the most loved Star Wars story lately and there's just been so much on linear or not linear video that we well, yeah.
0: We did get another comment from Achilles, who uh, has been a regular viewer of the show. So always enjoy the questions. I believe we've corresponded via DM as well. He says, thoughts on REITs, data center REITs uh, in particular. Do you have any
1: thoughts? Don't know much. Don't know much. Although we we are nailing down an interview on... I think that's the same Twicker EQIX, Equinix. We are nailing down an interview potentially in June. So hopefully we'll learn more. Uh, So stay tuned. And then what do we have this question on? Or do you have any thoughts on REITs?
0: I've been looking at some REITs recently. There was one that was an industrial REIT. So like selling to a lot of um, like e-commerce companies. Um,
1: Warehouses, whatever. Yeah, like warehouses. I like
0: the durability of the businesses, but i I think the opportunity costs now I think there's better opportunities elsewhere now than say a year ago. I know that's obvious, but like i I wouldn't want to be climbing into REITs when I feel like you can get a good return on uh other companies. Like higher quality businesses.
1: Yeah. I think in general, anything real estate is just lower quality for me because I don't like the capital intensity. There's also maybe I don't understand why it's a higher quality business. I know capital intensity can be great sometimes, but just for me, I don't like capital intensity. You have to so there's gotta be something pretty special if you're gonna be capital intensive. And yeah. maybe there are REITs that aren't, but
0: and a data center read, like in theory, sounds incredible. Um, I think uh Brookfield Asset Management, their infrastructure side was, they own a bunch of data centers and they haven't been performing very well.
1: Um, so yeah, let me, not, look at, uh, let me look at the old performance I think there's more complexities
0: it. to it than just like, well, more people are going to use data centers over time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I believe that. And who has all the leverage there? I believe you know, AWS probably does. Well, Equinix... I mean, it's up the last 10 years at 447% total return. Hard to tell. I, I, I don't know much about him. Let's move on to this other question, which we might know a little bit more about because we just did one on Hershey. And thank you, Achilles, for that saying that adding an episode with mostly borrowed ideas was good. Not getting as much listenership as I thought, which is fine. But I think people really enjoy that. That was one of the best pitches we've ever had. So if you're yeah, listening to I this, agree. go back, listen to that. It's not even for us. We didn't say anything. He talked he talk the whole time, which is great.
0: Sometimes after a good interview or like a good pitch, Brett and I kind of look at each other. Like
1: that was good. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like we know that not only it was a good pitch, but like, Hmm, maybe we got to keep that company on our radar. And it was, uh, I'd say add was in that bucket, 100%. Okay,
1: here's the question though. What is a reasonable valuation for staples like PG? Pretty sure that's Procter & Gamble. Low growth names like PG, Costco seem to have be way overstretched at the minute. Or no, sorry, in my opinion. What kind of multiples make sense in your view? For me, it's gotta be... Well, there's some higher quality ones like Costco. But again, if it's lower growth, if something's gonna be lower growth, this might sound crazy. Costco might be a little different, but if something's going to be lower growth, the the earnings or cash flow multiples got to be close to ten, in my opinion.
0: I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be something where in ten years, if the cash flow doesn't change, I'm getting a ten percent return each year.
1: Yeah, and that's taking a little more risk, but teach his own if you're. Okay, we just did one on her. We just did a not so deep Devon Hershey. It's trading at, I think, about 20 times earnings now, which is a little higher than normal. It's similar to maybe a lot of these high quality CPG companies, but the growth is low. So, do I think you would lose money over 10 years total return if you bought right now at Hershey? Most likely no, but there's a chance that um you see some valuation compression and i I wouldn't want to take that risk for something that is lower growth it just that combination always deters me there's so many stocks to invest in but if you're
0: getting you should get if you're paying sort of if there's risk of multiple compression at all and i would say that that tends to mean north of like assuming this assumes earnings stability they stay it stays the exact same if there's if it's north of 15 times i would say there's multiple compression risk
1: for a low growth
0: yeah for low growth if it's higher multiple you should get paid to take that risk yeah which means traditionally that there should be a bunch of growth in its future
1: yeah. And sometimes that can come from margin expansion. So, you know, if top line's not growing that quickly, if you have margin expansion plus a solid buyback program, but the the thing is the buybacks are so much more creative at lower multiples. So if something's low growth and a heavy repurchaser, um that's just so much. I mean, it's just math. It's so much better than a high multiple. Same similar, Apple is similar, Apple's the huge example of that. What's
0: the biggest green flag for a management team? Like, let's say you don't know the management team at all. You've, you've never, never kind of heard what
1: anything they've said, never heard, read or heard anything yeah. out of their mouths.
0: What's the biggest green flag that could happen? I have mine in my head because I saw one. I'll just say it. The uh, one company issued like special dividends throughout its history. That to me is a green flag.
1: That's that you're, a good one.
0: You're giving capital back to shareholders when it's the right time to do it. And we don't, I don't, that's all, that's the only context I know of it. It could have been bad timing, but like you think it's good timing. It's not like you're putting it on the back burner.
1: Yeah. I think mine is an open repurchase plan with no limits and a history of buying back intelligently.
0: Well, isn't that fun? The, uh,
1: Right. That's right. That's come on.
0: Here's an example. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But the open, I don't know. What if it's the open repurchase plan, but you're just repurchasing the same amount every quarter?
1: Oh yeah. So well, like, that's. I would say that's.
0: You're like not thinking about it. I'm not a fan of that.
1: That's why I said, intelligently. If you you can if someone's been you know if someone's been around for twenty years you know whether they have been there's enough data there to know whether They've been, you know, buying back a tra- uh, at um, opportunistically at the right times, if that makes sense.
0: All right, let me uh, let me give a spiel on Apple real quick. My computer oh, wow, died okay. this morning. <laughs> computer died, crashed and burned. Don't know what's going on. Can't figure it out. I thought about it. I'm not. A, I don't like Apple that much. I, I kind of think of them as the evil empire because we own a whole bunch of companies that have to pay them fees and it always frustrates me, but there's no way in hell I'm leaving that ecosystem for the rest of my life. The, there's t- the switching costs are too high. There's too much hours that I've put in, whether that's like files that are on the iCloud, maybe there's a way to switch, but it just isn't worth the effort. Oh, me. Have
1: you heard of a thing and you met called a thumb drive? And a Google account.
0: I mean, see, the Google account helps, but there's stuff that's like, I don't know. There's so much stuff on the computer that you'd have to go in and get. Well, just so many different files. You can't just.
1: But you can. You can. You can put them all. You just drag them all over. (laughs) Maybe I need to help you out here.
0: Are you sure? Like all at once? Because what if I gotta go into all these different areas to go find
1: (laughs) I think there's definitely a way.
0: And then i got to relearn over i don't know probably two or three months the nuances of this new computer and i'm slow with tech i mean i'm never going to leave
1: yeah I will well say, though, window never, w- apples are way less intuitive than uh windows in my opinion the to learn like just where files go and how it's just yeah it's
0: probably accurate the and i don't even care about the interconnectedness i do with like the watch um, which by the way, they're completely screwing Spotify on the watch. They're making it so painful to like.
1: Yeah. I think there's, stuff. I believe that's part of the lawsuit they have against them. Yeah. They, they, there's a, they create friction with them.
0: Um, I don't know. Well, I the, the week- it, like, well, how big would the cost difference have to be for me to switch from go outside the ecosystem from my laptop had to be higher than it is now, I think.
1: Well, you know, as an Apple consumer, not someone that doesn't like them very much, I think you would be pleasantly surprised if you switched, but you can do whatever you you want. (laughs) I think uh, the laptop or computer part is the weakest link. Would you agree or disagree in the Apple ecosystem?
0: (sighs) The weakest link? Yeah, probably. Still pretty not, strong though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not bad though. Like they're having MacBook shortages right now. I'm pretty sure. Um. Mm. So it's I don't know.
1: For anyone that's wondering, Ryan has a utility has like company a- <laughs> at this point.
0: Like it's a utility. It's not. I would not call it consumer discretionary. Uh, I cannot work without it.
1: Yeah, but you can get a different. You can get a different brand. Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah. I, I agree. The general category is. But, um, yeah, I think there, well, there's the perception that people can't switch, but I don't think it's that big a deal for any, if, if anyone that's wondering, Ryan did have a, he's been working for the last two years, last five years on a 13 inch, what, six year old Apple laptop. So we might get a put whole in, new, put in
0: a shift. No doubt about that. We might get a whole shift.
1: new productivity out of Ryan. Once he switches to something with a real screen.
0: Hey, don't, don't hate on the 13 inch. It's, it's, <laughs> it's done wonders through uh through university. Okay.
1: All right. Here's Portable. okay.
0: Yours is too big and clunky. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fit in most bags.
1: Hey, if it's, come on, if it's in my backpack, <laughs> um, all right. Here's another. Switching topics. I uh, this was a viral tweet, so I bet you saw it. But it's Lending Club says, that one third of consumers earning two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more annually currently live paycheck to paycheck, and these high income earners have an average FICO score of seven fifty eight. Thoughts on that? Are is the cons- is one the American third. a third. third? Yeah, is the American. Are are people just, well, obviously people are addicted to buying stuff, but this shouldn't, unless you have like six kids in New York City, I mean, this seems a bit ridiculous, right? People, how, how are we so immune to not saving money? Is that just kind of, does it feel strange to you? I do feel like the
0: generations before were so much more frugal than today's
1: hard to tell because we weren't living there, but most likely. Yeah.
0: The uh, yeah, I I don't, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. You should not. Yeah. Unless you have a huge family and you live in a super expensive area, 250,000 should get just about anyone by.
1: And even like say going down since we're both single and no kids, going down to say, if it was just cut that in half to what, $120,000 a year to maybe X out those expense, the other expenses, being generous with that, I would be, to, to live paycheck to paycheck, I would have to be spending so much money on stuff I didn't need, right? Like how yeah. much?
0: All right. Well, let's do the math, I guess, on, a, uh, on the 250000 How much do you get? Are we, we're assuming that's gross. Right.
1: Oh, right, right. That's gross. So, so let's say you get taxed. To,
0: I don't know. Let's say you one hundred fifty k.
1: Yeah, can you go conservative. Yeah, yeah.
0: One hundred fifty k. You've got what are your monthly expenses? Let's say you live in New York
1: City and you're in a couple. Just a no, couple no, New York. New York's too outlier. New York, New York's too outlier. Go like a suburb of Los Angeles. Austin. How about that? Uh, okay, Austin's fair. That's fair.
0: Austin. Your rent, I have no idea what the rent looks like in Austin, but let's say it's two people. I'm going to assume 2500.
1: If you're yeah, sure, living comfortably, yeah.
0: How much is 150k a month in income? What, like 12k? Sorry. what uh
1: How much is 150k? Oh, 150 a month. A month in uh let me just confirm it quick. Yeah, it would be like a little over 12K. 150 divided by 12. Should be able to do this in my head, but.
0: 12. Yeah, I assume it's like 12 and a half.
1: Yeah, something like that. 150 the, uh, divided right, by so 12. 12 and a half. Yep, exactly 12 and a half.
0: Good two math. and a half gone after rent. And two and a half might be a little, let's go ahead and say it's three grand.
1: I don't well, do might be expensive. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, that would be a nice part for sure. All right. Now
0: you've got 9,000 left. Of Nine thousand five hundred. How much are you spending on groceries? Let's say a thousand.
1: Yeah, but this is one person. So
0: is it one person? Do they say one person?
1: One third of consumers earning 250K or more. So, yeah. So this is like, what are you spending? I mean, this is being super conservative in that survey.
0: That's insane. Yeah, I, I think anyway, way you cut it, like even if you spent a thousand bucks on groceries
1: and a thousand bucks on restaurants, a thousand bucks on restaurants. Okay, you have like a hundred thousand bucks on utility. transportation, 150 on utilities plus Wi plus Fi, and then probably another hundred bucks for streaming. Or video games or whatever.
0: Pretty much any way you cut it, you're going to have an extra five grand, I'd imagine. <laughs> what?
1: What? And what? Are, what is everyone spending money on? That, I guess that's good for um, owners well, of financial assets. I
0: feel like but, big spenders man. are probably listening to this. Like, what? Maybe, maybe we too frugal.
1: <sighs> well, that's possible. It is. It's like I always think of the moment in the big short when he's like, "Have you ever thought you were wrong, Dr. Barry?" And he's like, "I guess that's possible." <laughs> Cuz he couldn't he, he never considered it, even though he Speaking was right. Of
0: Barry, he was uh he was right again on the whole uh recession coming. Yeah, well, or bear market, I guess. We are officially in a bear market,
1: right? Uh right. Nasdaq, not S&P did not reach it. Let me confirm that the S&P got close, but never reached it.
0: It's what, 20% down, It's bear market?
1: Yeah, year to date, NASDAQ is down 21%, and that is after the recent rise. S&P is down 12.5% and got close, but did not get 20%. But you got to do it from all-time highs. Yeah, year to date is essentially all-time highs. We only had one day where, so that's kind of what I've been using just as a shorthand. Damn, it feels worse. <laughs> <laughs> Always feels worse. Yeah. Uh let, let's go. Any other topics? I think I scrolled by one.
0: Hmm. Oh, you think Chipotle's quality's gotten worse? Are you short? Sure oh miss- yeah, these
1: are all what all these comments are. Yeah. Thank you for everyone. Yeah. Does that matter though? Like I, I've just been noticing that their quality seems lower, even like the the employees say this might not seem like a big deal, but I think it is just for the customer experience. The The building of the burrito or the bowl has gotten sloppy. And yeah, I don't have to shop there. Like that feels a bit pretentious, but it's part of the experience. If, if I wanted something that was laid out bad, uh, I would just make that at home. It and- does
0: always feel, to me, it always feels like, once a business starts making the in-store experience poor it erodes that companies like longevity even though like over the last year if you i've walked into a chipotle on multiple occasions and like they don't serve me and they're like working on all these online orders mm, yeah, and they're waiting that's like a huge that that's a big turnoff to me for chipotle. well i'm online
1: i've never i never go i'm online only Those points, although I'm not going to use them anymore because I might be done shopping there, but or getting food there. Like, here's the deal with me they're raising prices right to combat inflation, but you would have thought that they would stick with their high quality items, fresh, really fresh. And that was the whole thing. It tasted like something you you know, a fresh item you'd make at home for you just think the
0: ingredients are bad or what?
1: Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of people without. Now this is Twitter without sources, but a lot of people saying that a lot of restaurants have done this now where they've had to get their quality of ingredients have gone down. Um, their sizes have gone down and it's just because of these supply chain things, food costs, all that stuff. And they don't want margins to be hit. So, and they're having a tough time with labor. So a lot of the employees might not be as high as quality as they used to be. You know, you know what I mean? I just, if Chipotle is Chipotle supposed to be the better and better for you fast casual? They, I think it's a mistake to go for these short term margins uh, because over the long term, they're just losing so much customer trust.
0: All right, let's say the supply chain shortages or problems persist, chip shortages persist. Labor shortages persist, inflation super high for the next f- five years. Where's the optimal place to be for your portfolio?
1: Oh, well, that's, a tr- that's another <laughs> million dollar question, right? I'm going to say this without putting much thought into it. Companies that live entirely digitally. Right. With minimal employee needs. It's got to be it. You don't have impacts from energy. Costs.
0: Existing, I
1: you would add energy. the
0: caveat that you have to have exi- like already high operating margins because I think I think payroll is going to uh, rise as a percentage of revenue.
1: Well, okay, then I will take a consumer. Uh, I will take a software or consumer internet company. With that does not impacted by energy prices, and does not have much need for uh, the lower end of the wage spectrum with positive operating margins. I think that's the ideal hunting ground because so visa. Well, oh, that's a good question. yeah, something like that. I guess visa is a great example. Um, but you just my, my th- I think I kind of invert the situation and say, okay, how do I avoid Any impacts from oil prices or energy prices or commodity prices as best as I can. Or looking at a company, are they going to be able to avoid these? Or does it matter to them? Are they going to be able to avoid wage inflation better than other companies? And if there's shortages in food supply chain stuff, does that matter to them? I think that's kind of I think it hits every company. That's what
0: I think it hits every company.
1: Well, second order, one way or another, effect. sure, sure. What about well, I
0: don't want it, doesn't hit every company equally, obviously. But I don't think any company is completely immune other than ma- literally maybe like MasterCard or Visa.
1: No, but they're not immune because of spending. If spending's down because people can't get stuff,
0: yeah. But if inflation's up, spending's up,
1: yeah. But if people if purchasing power is down.
0: Well, if purchasing power's down and inflation's up, then I think we've got bigger problems.
1: <laughs> well, I, deal I still think I, I'm sticking with my answer. There are companies like that. I think there's companies in our portfolio that are like that. I hope.
0: <laughs> I hope so. I hope you're right. All right, we've got like two minutes left. Any closing yeah, thoughts? Yeah, any... Closing arguments.
1: The, what? Closing arguments. What
0: are Closing we? Closing arguments. What's the uh, what's the macro look look like?
1: What's your it macro looks, take? <laughs> <laughs> it looks confusing, and I don't really honestly. Given the way we try to invest, I don't care, and I'm very comfortable because we try to make it. We explicit. I mean, this is true. We explicitly try to make decisions, and this was before the macro stuff went all haywire, where macro doesn't matter. Like we we try to, and I think that's. Kind of the way to do it. And I, to be honest, I don't really care. Here's one though. I saw a good um interview with the guy that does he's got the passive flow thesis. He's the not the head of that, but he started that kind of thesis, Michael Green. And he made a great point that I think is kind of relative to if you're an investor um trying to understand why markets are moving in, say a certain week or why they're up when. Um, a lot of the economic metrics seem bad. And when, so there's so much money in these passive, um, they're not even passive. It's just say they're in a target date fund of a 60-40 allocation. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. But in a month like May, when stocks were down a lot, um, your allocation of stocks are underweight what you want to be. So at the end of the month, there's a bunch of passive buyers from Vanguard, State Street, what are the other ones? Schwab, I Fidelity, BlackRock. Um, yeah, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price that are buying up stocks in these 60/40 portfolios or whatever it is, index funds blah blah blah. And they need to rebalance to say to get from if they're down to say 55% uh, up to 60% and that is just at a massive amount of flows coming in and I kind of think and this is without any evidence and this is something outside of my league. That's what happened at the end of May. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. All right. I mean, the, well, so, the, it
0: makes sense in theory to me. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I, I don't know if it's completely accurate, but like right. that, that theory would make sense that
1: See, all seems these laws are
0: underway. So what they sell bonds. Let's uh, say $60, $60. No, not
1: necessarily sell bonds, but when, well, Potentially, but you'd
0: have to, right? If you're 60, 40,
1: uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, but you, yeah, I don't know the exact answer. That's a good point. I think it's a plausible explanation though of what's happening.
0: Yeah. Potentially. All right. One o'clock that's going to do it. Uh, if you tuned in Achilles, Eric M everyone who asked questions, thank you. Uh, and tell
1: tell the podcast listeners when they can watch live and join the few that are asking questions here.
0: Yeah, it's Thursdays at three o'clock Eastern time, 12 o'clock Pacific time. Um, We are on then just go to YouTube, check out our
1: page. And next week's going to be Wednesday because I'm traveling on Thursday, but yeah.
0: All right. Well, next week's Wednesday, 12 o'clock Pacific time. Um, I think that's going to do it. Do we throw disclosures on these?
1: Yeah, just, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Just all be right, safe. well,
0: <laughs> let's let's remind listeners that uh, Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital. So clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.